let's turn first to Genesis. Uh, we're we're going to be talking about heaven. Tonight's the last little bit about heaven in the book of Revelation. But let's just start in Genesis in the beginning. And we're going to go to chapter 2 for the first part of the scripture reading. And um, so go ahead in Genesis chapter 2 and go to verse 15. Chapter 2 and verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then go ahead and skip down to to, uh, verse 1 of chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of the both of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Now let's turn over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eager, eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with Patience. And then lastly, let's go to Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22. In verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, 
but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoers still do evil, and the filthy still do fil- be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. May God add his blessing in the reading of his holy word. Pray with me, will you? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the promises that you'll fulfill every word that you speak, God. You are the trustworthy and true one. Now, Lord, we just ask for you to open up your word to us. Give us understanding. God, change us. Let us be more and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight as we, as we leave heaven and we're getting ready to the close of the book of Revelation, and we're going to save that last little bit for next week. But this is the last picture of heaven we get in the book of Revelation. And it's so interesting because the temptation for us is to think that, oh, God is just restarting everything over. And that's the furthest thing from what God's going to do. Actually, God's going to make things new. It's not a, a reboot. It's not a restart with old software or old hardware. No, this is brand new. He's making all things new. And, and they're going to be working the way they're supposed to. The curse will be completely broken at this time. Now, if you remember through the book of Revelation, and just to summarize again, we had the letters to the seven churches, and those letters went out, and those letters were for a purpose, and they still apply to us today, and it's to to call us out of apathy, to call us towards faith and good deeds in in Jesus Christ our Lord. Those letters were to spur us on to encourage us not to buy into the philosophies of this world, which we see happening more and more. You know, it's interesting, Sam, the tour leader for the African, uh, the Ugandan Children's Choir, he stayed at my house with uh, three of the girls from the choir over the, the, um, let's see, Sunday night and Monday night. And I got a lot of time to catch up with Sam and talk to him. And Sam and I have a lot in common. Like, for instance, we both love Nacho Libre, so we always have a quote ready from Nacho Libre. But more than that, one of the things Sam was telling me that as he's been touring the country, he started out in Tallahassee, Florida. Uh, he started out in Florida and started touring, hitting all these spots on his way to the West Coast. He'll be going up to Washington, hitting some other states, coming back down. And by the time they're done in December, they'll have covered this huge territory of the United States, a, a, a massive territory. There's one other choir touring on the East Coast for Child Care Worldwide. But one of the things he was saying is, man... I'm getting this picture of the church, and it's, I've never, I, I never knew it was like this. Um, I, I, I just assumed that 
most churches teach the word. I assume that most churches are, are worshiping the Lord. But all these churches that we get into, and again, this is just the churches he's been in. It's not, it's not the way it is all around the country. But, but he gets invited to these churches and he said, it's like a dry desert in there. The word's not even taught. And when it is taught, it, it's very, like, very light. It's very, like, here's how, th- this is good for you and here's why it's good for you. It's not about God. And he was just telling me that to go into a church where the word, the Bible is being taught, is like a, it's like drinking from fresh water. It's so good. And uh, he told me that one church he went to was a really, really wealthy church. I mean, lots of um, uh, politicians were attending there. And, uh, I mean, they, they, he just said the wealth, the extravagance of this church was, was uh, <laughs> off the charts. And he said that when they got there with the choir, they thought, oh, man, this is, this is going to be really great for child care worldwide. We're probably going to get a lot of sponsors and uh, kids sponsored through, through the sponsorship program. And he, he was pretty excited. In fact, they had professional photographers there to take pictures of the kids. And you and I, we didn't realize how cool great we had. We had this professional group here. We didn't even get, call out the photographers. But uh, anyway, so the, the politicians are in there. They're taking pictures with the kids. And then um, turns out not one kid was sponsored in that church. Not one. Sunday night, look around real fast. Just look around. This is a small fellowship, isn't it? In fact, we never know who's actually going to show up on Sunday night and who's not. We're not like all professional. We don't have all the kinks worked out. Every night there's some kink. In fact, in the sound booth there, (laughs) Ryan's like, ah, it's Sunday night. Like when we're having issues with sound or whatever. Nine children were sponsored last Sunday. Now, I'm not saying that to boast in our good works. But what I was amazed about was your hearts, your desire to serve the Lord. And, uh, And Sam was telling me that he's like, man, I'm just was blown away by this little fellowship because you go to this church that's so wealthy. And, and I said, man, you've got a great illustration, Sam, for the letters of the seven churches next time you teach it because we saw all those different churches through the book of Revelation, churches that had become about their wealth. You know, Jesus said, hey, you, you think you're rich, you think you're doing well, but you're poor, pitiful, and blind as he calls back his church. And by the way, I think these churches, we need to be praying for them all around the country, because what we want is not to be the best church. We just want to be a part of his church. And we want, to, we want to make sure that we're spurring other churches, other fellowships, other believers on towards the Lord. So we had the letters to the seven churches. Then we went into the scroll. We went up into heaven in chapter 4. In chapter 5, there was a scroll presented to John in heaven. And, and as he sees the scroll, no one is worthy to open the scroll there is a, the, the scroll is sealed with seven seals and no one can open it. And John starts welling out loud. He's like, oh, who can open the scroll? And then Jesus appears, the lamb who had been slain. And he appears and he can open that scroll. And when we were there in, Revel, in Revelation chapter 5, I pointed out to you Daniel. And at the end of Daniel, when Daniel receives his vision, God tells Daniel, seal it up until the time of the end. He said, Daniel, you seal it up. Tonight, John is told, don't seal it up. This is for the church. This is necessary. So Daniel's told to seal it up. 
And, and, and Jesus comes on the scene. He breaks open the seals. With every seal broken, we have judgment being poured out during the, the great tribulation period. The, once the seals are broken on that seven seals, it ushers in seven trumpet judgments. We have the trumpet judgments. Then we have the bowl judgments. And finally, we have the return of Christ and the millennial reign of Christ, that thousand-year reign. And during that thousand-year reign, we have a, a pause in sin. We, we, things are different. Things are very different during the millennial reign. It's a fulfillment of many of these Old Testament prophecies um, through Ezekiel and Daniel and Isaiah and Jeremiah. But, but sin still happens. We know at the end of the millennial reign, when Satan is released, he goes forth corrupting. And we see people turn away from God, turn towards sin. And we see a great battle at the end of the millennial reign. And finally God puts an end to that. And then we have the new heavens and the new earth, this brand new creation. Everything is, and that's where we're at. We're in the new heavens and the new earth during this new creation. In Genesis, the creation was subjected to sin, the whole creation. All that stuff that you and I hate, all that stuff that ruins our lives, the quality of our lives, the things that, that we go, why is it this way? We groan. It's because of sin. Sin is in the world, and by the way, it hasn't just changed you and me as far as a desire to sin or, or being tempted to sin or choosing to sin or being rebellious in our hearts. It's also changed the very creation itself, the Bible tells us. The whole creation is groaning, as Paul put it. Everything has been subjected to the one man, sin. Through the new man, as Paul goes in his argument in Romans, he's saying we eagerly await the adoption as sons. We have a new creation. This weekend we were out with the youth kids and, and um, I've been taking youth groups out to Joshua Tree for years and just another trip. We're out bouldering and I realized something. It's harder. <laughs> I'm not as strong as I was. Maybe I'm a little bit heavier. I don't know. But, <laughs> but it, it's, it's not as easy to keep up with them. And I'm like, ah, oh, don't fall off the cliff. I'm coming, you know. <laughs> and uh, just keeping up with all the, all the youth kids and stuff, I, I go, oh, man, I wish I, I, wish I didn't, it wasn't sore. Like my, for some reason, my left leg is like sore now. I don't know why it's sore. And, and I just, ugh, why do, why do I have to be subjected to this body that is failing? You know, why when I try to kiss the snake, it tries to bite me? I don't understand this. Oh, I know why. We have a creation subjected to sin. A creation being held captive by it. But don't worry. Our home, our true home, heaven, is coming. And it, when it comes, we're going to see that curse completely broken. And that's where we picked up in Revelation. The angel showed me the river, the water of life, bright as a crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Man, what a wonderful picture. This river of life. You know, I don't know what it, exactly it will look like. I know John has to be using some human expressions for us to understand this. We don't fully know. But as John's looking at this, it's life flowing from the throne of God and from the Lamb. And, and it, it's clear and as a crystal, this pure water. I had a dream one time. And uh, I'll never forget the dream. It was a really interesting dream. And I've shared it to a few people and I still kind of not sure about it, but it was one of those dreams that you know it was given to you from the Lord, and then there was confirmation that it was given to me from the Lord, and it was such a strange dream. 
I, I, what I dreamt was I was walking up, uh, hiking up out of a valley leading a, a group on a, on a hike. And we were all marveling at this water and how pure it was and how clear it was. And, and, and we're hiking up out of this desert valley. And, and it wasn't like that strange for me to be leading a group on a hike because I do that all the time with uh, youth groups and whatever. We're like this weekend we went on a, a trail and we all were hiking together and looking for uh, old broken down uh, mine in, in the middle of the desert. Um, so we were hiking up out of this desert, but what we were looking at was this beautiful stream, so pure. And, and, and as we, I looked down into the valley, I, one of the things I was doing was telling the people, hey, we're going to go up, we're going to go up and look at the source of this stream. And down in the valley there was a building, and the building had a waterfall coming off of it, and its stream continued on into the desert, and it went into just a dry, desolate place, and that stream was, was um, it, it, they didn't join the two streams. It was a totally different stream. And so we, we continued hiking and we were marveling. Just I mean, I can't, I can't tell express with, with words how much we were just taking in this beautiful stream of water. I woke up that morning and I got on a plane to go to Utah. My friend is, was planning a church and he asked me, hey, can you come out and pray with us for, for the day? Um, we're we're going to be praying over the locations of these church plants praying over different things. I said, yeah, I'd, I'd love to. So I flew out to Salt Lake City and, and I had some uh, frequent flyer miles or something and was able to get a free flight. And so I, I, I left that morning from LAX and I came back that night. But when, when I left, we, we flew into Salt Lake City for my first time actually being in the main Salt Lake City. And we went around, we prayed over where his house was being built, the house that they were buying. And we prayed over the area, the, the whole town that they were planning the church in. Then we went up above the Temple Square. There's a hill above Salt Lake City where you can pray over all of Salt Lake City. And we prayed up there with various pastors just praying. Then we were walking around Temple Square. It was my first time ever in Temple Square. And I look and my jaw just about hits the floor. There's a building there with these waterfalls fall, fall, flowing out of it. And I've never been there in my life, never seen this building. And I said, Lauren, what is this building? He's like, oh, that's the Mormon General, Gen, General Conference building. That's where they meet all the yearly and they decide all their doctrine and, and they reconfirm everything. That's where the, the prophet, the president speaks every year and gives the new prophecies to the church. And I'm like, Lauren, you're not going to believe this. I saw this building last night in a dream. I've never seen it before. As I told him my dream, I said, you know what the amazing thing about my dream was? These two rivers, one was just water. The other was beautiful and clear and it was a source of life. And we could easily distinguish the two. I, when I read this passage in Revelation, I couldn't help but think of that dream. And uh, there's one other time in my life where I've had a dream that I knew it was the Lord just gave to me because there was, there was some truths in it that I just was like, wow. And that was when I um, knew I was going to marry my wife. But, um, and I'll t I can tell you about that some other day. But, uh, I mean, it's really important. She's not here, is she? Okay. So, <laughs> so um, but, but uh, the fact is, is once you drink from the living water, you cannot be satisfied by anything else. So many Christians will torment themselves trying to satisfy themselves from other streams. 
trying to go away from that, that one source that will actually quench, that one source that will well up to streams of living water flowing out. And, and, and this source, when we look at the source being the lamb and God, the throne of God and the lamb, one of the things about a river is this river never dries up. It's continually flowing. It has everything that we need. It, it will meet every need of ours. It, we won't be lacking anything in heaven. There won't be anything where we're like, man, I just wish we had some Mountain Dew or some Coke or can we get some Gatorade up in here? You know, a Nacho Libre quote. Can, can we just have a salad or something? You know, no. If you're a Nacho Libre fan, you laughed. <laughs> so, all right. Um, anyway, I'm sorry. I won't talk any more about Nacho Libre. Um, but but the, this stream is satisfying, and it won't leave us, leave us thirsty. I'll tell you, being out in the desert this weekend, man, when you're out there and you have a choice between, you, like, you, you drink water, you're drinking water, and you're drinking it like crazy because it's so dry out there. And then, and then um, you have an option to drink a soda, and I always bring a few sodas. I don't bring too much because the kids will just pound sodas, and then everybody has headaches because they're dehydrated. And, and so... Um, I remember popping open a soda at lunchtime and I drank it. And I'm like, this is just not satisfying. It doesn't satisfy. The water, the water satisfies. You know what? I think it's the same thing. Even if you're not a Christian in here tonight, if you don't know the Lord, let me just tell you, the things that you pursue, those things that you chase after, the things that will make your life successful, those things that you're hoping to achieve the, the, those purposes that you put in front of you to say, if I can only just do that, if I can only just obtain this much in my bank account, if I can only just get that, win that game or whatever the case is, whatever you're striving to do, those things don't satisfy ultimately. They don't. Because the fact is, as soon as you finish it, you're like, what now? You know what the sad part is, is we see this all the time in professional sports. We see in professional sports when people win a Super Bowl or they win a, a World Series or all these things, they go into these great bouts of depression because the satisfaction they thought they were going to achieve didn't bring it. If I could only have that child. Man, my sister, I watched her go through so much depression. She uh, had an unfortunate battle with, uh, basically, she, she wasn't able to have kids. And she, unfortunately for her, she kept getting pregnant, but never actually being able to carry a child to full term. And it was painful. I felt so bad for her. I, I really started to learn more about uh, a woman's identity and how much is wrapped up into um, being able to have kids and things like that as my sister was battling with this. And, um, and it became something that was really hard because every time she, she failed at having a baby or being able to have that, bring that baby to full term or had a miscarriage, her world was falling apart. It was crumbling. And, and me, I, I want to do anything to help my sister, but I'm totally powerless. I, I, I'll pray for you, but, but I couldn't help. And maybe some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've been through it. I know I talked to some ladies here at the church who had been through that very thing and was asking them how they felt so I could help my sister and, and talk to her. And, and then finally they were able to adopt. But you know what? Having a kid doesn't fix problems. In fact, having children brings more problems. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> having, having children doesn't fix things. You know, I want to encourage you, look to that stream, that living water that only God can provide. So he says that there's this tree here, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with his 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. Interesting, this tree, this new kind of fruit tree in the garden has fruit, 12 different kinds of fruit. And uh, I thought I was like amazed when I bought this like fruit tree at Home Depot that had like oranges and tangerines and all these different, I can't remember. Oh, it was called a fruit bowl. That's what the tree was called. Uh, I've yet to get anything other than lemons off of it. But I'm waiting in eager expectation. <laughs> but um, the, so we know that there's this, this tree yielding its fruit every, every month, a new kind of fruit yielding off of it. Again, I, this is what John sees. This is what he's relaying to us. It seems incredible. But one thing I want you to realize is there's a sense of time in eternity. It's not absent of time. There's a sense of time because... Because John says that there's these 12 cycles at least, and he refers to them as every month there's a, a new fruit coming off of it. So there won't, it won't be just this like, oh, I can't feel what existence is like or whatnot. I, I think that we'll still experience time. We're still going to experience the victory of the Lamb. We're still going to experience, re- recognize what Christ has done for us. So there's this sense of time there where this tree is uh, yielding its fruit every month, each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now, your question might be, well, wait, why, why do they need healing? I thought, I thought we were done with sin. Well, the, the word here in the Greek is really more of, uh, of more like therapy. It's more like uh, health giving. It's kind of the reason why we take vitamins. We don't take vitamins because we're expecting we, we need to fix something. We take antibiotics or whatever because we're trying to fix something. We, we take vitamins because it, it has more like, it helps us thrive. And that's really what the sense here in the Greek is, is that this, this fruit is for, for the healing of the nations. It's ther- therapeutic for the nations. The word again, nations, ethnos, not individual countries or anything like that. It's, it's all peoples, okay. Going on with that, no longer will there be anything accursed. There it is. We're done with the curse. We, we've broken free from it. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. I want to just pause there for one minute. A couple of things here in the Greek that I think are worth noting. Um, and uh, if you're in a, a different translation, you, you may see it worded a little bit different here in this passage. But the first thing here is that it says that, that the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants the word servants is bondservant in the Greek. It's doulos. And, um, and it's that whole idea of a slave to the Lord, a, a someone who is chosen to, to, to put themselves under, under the, uh, the ownership of a master. We put ourselves under the Lord to serve him. And the word worship there is actually a word for serving in worship. It's not like in the sense of just singing songs like often we think about but it's, it's actively involved in serving before God, doing acts of worship for God. And, and where we see it in the Old Testament is, or actually in the, early in the New Testament, and then, of course, the Old Testament in the Septuagint, is the idea of offering sacrifices to the Lord, as the priest would do, serving before the Lord. 
So what this verse implies is that you and I will be serving in eternity. We'll be, we'll be continually not just singing praise songs and, and, and singing God's praises, but you and I will have the opportunity to continue serving God in eternity. I was really convicted by this passage this week. Um, <laughs> this is, this is kind of interesting. Um, there, when, I'm, when I'm preparing to preach and I'm just really thinking about I keep reading and rereading the text and thinking about what, you know, what it is. And usually God always convicts me first. And I'm like, all right, Lord. <laughs> and I'm going before him. But um, sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm really busy. All of you guys that know me know I'm really busy. And uh, sometimes I kind of get to this mode where, yeah, I'm doing this, God, for you, you know. Like, but I'm, I'm doing it almost like with, with a, a hesitant spirit, a spirit of like, a, I have to do this sort of thing. And, uh, and God really convicted me with this passage because as, as I was looking at the fact that I'll have eternity to serve God, heaven's about me having joy. Heaven's about about me being with the Lord and having that relationship with him and serving him for eternity. And in serving him, I'm finding joy and fulfillment. There's no more tears there. There's no more strife. There's, we know that God has wiped away every tear. We know that he's taken away all the pain, all the suffering. But what is your heart like before the Lord? Are you excited to serve the Lord? Now, I don't say this to guilt you. I don't want to guilt you. But I do want to ask you, do you serve the Lord? Are you looking for opportunities to serve God, to serve his people? I, I think this is an important thing. You know, in, in church, um, sometimes you hear the phrase like, man, church would be great if we could just get rid of all the people, right? <laughs> all the sinners, right? <laughs> it's like we wouldn't have any problems, right? Yeah, it, it, people always say like, well, you know, I'd go to church, but I got burned or I don't like the politics or da 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 Well, you know what? Welcome to a sinful world and a bunch of sinners who are, are figuring out this faith thing, who are walking with the Lord, who are figuring out this life in the Lord thing. And coming in with our different attitudes, our different opinions, our different views, we're all coming into it, trying to submit ourselves before the Lord. We're going to have some friction. I, I always kind of think of it that it's like church is like a bunch of porcupines all walking around. Eventually we're going to poke each other. It's just going to happen. You know, um, so, so we should, just should get used to it. But really, we're going to have an eternity to serve the Lord and to receive joy as we serve the Lord. I want to encourage you. Start serving the Lord now. Start practicing now. And, and there's lots of different ways we can serve the Lord. Obviously, there's serving actually in the fellowship, bringing your gifts into the fellowship and, and, and I, wanna, I don't want to negate either just you living your life in worship to the Lord, you know, making sure you're serving the Lord in your workplace, in, in, in the places you go, in your families. I, I don't want you to just think that this only applies to church. But really, we want to offer everything to the Lord, everything we do. And as you practice this, you're, you're just practicing for your future home. You're getting ready for it. You're going to be really ready when you get there. So we have this opportunity to serve the Lord. Let us do it with joy as we worship him. We'll see his face. Man, earlier in the Bible it was saying no man can see his face. Now we have, we get to see his face. And, and we won't be ashamed. 
His name is written on our foreheads. As we've seen this already in the, in the book of Revelation, this has shown up a couple times, the name written on their foreheads. God claims us as his children. Remember Paul said we wait for the adoption as sons and daughters? This is what we're talking about. The adoption is finished at this point. There will be no more night. Uh, there's no need for light of lamp or sun. For the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. I, I, I'm assuming that if there's no more night, there's no more need for sleep, which is kind of cool. I'm going to have all the time in the world to get everything done for the Lord. <laughs> but, but the fact is, is that night with night always brings darkness. Darkness is always that illustration for longing, for depression, for hurt, for heartache, for the unknown, for the fears. Uh, you know, my daughters would, would love it if the sun was out all day and they never had to worry about going to sleep in a dark room. Claire, I took, I took Claire out with me um, on Thursday to Joshua Tree so we could get our campsites because it's first come, first serve out there. And so we, Claire and I, my eight-year-old, we, we get out there early because she doesn't, you know, get to go on youth trips or anything like that. And she was really excited. I picked her up from school early and we drove out there. And she was like, you know, just so excited to be out camping and, and doing this stuff. So... Um, she, she, when we're getting ready to go to bed, it's getting dark, and she said, she pulls out a, a little lantern, this little little tiny LED lantern. I'm like, oh, you brought your own light. She's like, yeah, I didn't want to be in the dark. And she's like, and Lucy loaned me her light. I have this little backpacking lantern that Lucy gets to hang in her bed so that she doesn't have to go to bed in the dark. But I just think about the fact is that darkness always brings fear. There's no more darkness. God's light, it, it, it it go, it's everywhere. It, it, there, there's no absence of light. That's an important thing. Darkness isn't really a thing. It's just the absence of light. He said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord God of the spirits of the prophets has sent his angels to show his servants what must soon take place. Behold, I am coming soon. Here's the sixth beatitude in the book of Revelation. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Blessed Happy is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Very similar to Revelation chapter uh, 1 verse 3 about, about believing the words of, the, of this book. Keep in the Greek, tereo. It, it, it means to trust and obey. Literally, that's what it's saying. Happy is the one who trusts and obeys God's word. And so that's the challenge for you tonight, church. Are you ready to trust and obey the Lord in his word? Are, are you ready? Is there an area of your life where you're just unwilling to submit to the Lord? Okay, Lord, you can have this life. You, tell you what, God, I'm going to give you a Sunday night. You get Sunday night. I'll trust you and obey you Sunday night. But Monday morning is mine. In fact, Monday afternoon, Monday night. I think I hit something, sorry. You might have to fix it later. Apologize. I'll, I'll, I'll give you this time, but not this time. Wait, you want me to give up my programs? I love that show. I, I don't want to give that up. Wait, you, you, you want me to give up my internet viewing or whatever else you, you're due? You, wait, you want me to change completely? What areas of your life do you trust and obey God? And what areas are you just plain unwilling to submit to him. 
That's my challenge to you. It, only you know those areas. I can bring up different things to you. I can bring up stealing, lying. I can bring up your tongue, gossiping, slandering, all these things that the scriptures bring up. I can bring these things up, but you know those things that you're unwilling to surrender to God. Maybe it's even time to serve. Maybe it's time to serve that you're unwilling to surrender to God. Those are the things that you need to bring before the Lord. You need to say, all right, Lord, here, here it all is. Here, here it is. I'll trust and obey you. I'll believe that you are the true and trustworthy one. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. And, Lord, we thank you that just as you say that you are the way, the truth, and the life, that through you we find life and life abundantly, and we believe it to be true, Lord, let us bring all of our life into into, um, into your presence. Let us bring everything we have and ask you to examine us, teach us. God, I want to trust you. Lord, I want to trust every aspect of every command, everything you call me to do, every time you call me out of the safe and into the torrent. Lord, I want to trust you and I want to be obedient to you. So I pray, Lord, that this life would be surrendered here it is, Lord. Use me. We look forward to that heavenly home. We ask this in your name. Amen.